You are listening to Stand Out on LinkedIn, indispensable truths, tools, and tips, a show designed specifically to help you stand out. This podcast is for everyone looking to maximize their brand, network, career, and business initiatives, meaning finding a job, hiring, selling, and marketing. That pretty much includes most people. My team at Intero will be sharing their expertise and insight to get you one step closer to gaining traction and being a standout on LinkedIn. My team spends hours each day on LinkedIn, assisting companies in developing their brand, finding new talent for job openings, and even creating content to help professionals establish their credibility. The information they share on this podcast reflects what they see and do each day. If you're looking to stand out on LinkedIn, then you've come to the right place. Listen and receive actionable takeaways that you can utilize on LinkedIn to achieve your business and career goals. Welcome everyone. It's great to have you back today on Stand Out. I have a special guest today, Brian Howe, who is the senior associate from Sheffield Hayworth, actually based out of London. So Brian's going to tell us a little bit about that. So welcome, Brian. Great to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm I'm happy to be here and, and excited to speak. And we are going to talk about recruiting today. So Brian has been recruiting for a number of years. So Brian, can you just share a little bit about your background, sort of the evolution coming to Sheffield Hayworth and give us a little background? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, born and raised here in Baltimore, um, but went to college down in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. I was really adapted in the the Southern hospitality and and I love everything about about Charleston, but ultimately uh, decided to move back home um, and was introduced to Aerotech um, at the time, one of the largest staffing firms in the world. Um, was really able to learn a lot about contractual, professional service placements, administrative placements, great institution to, to, to really build a foundation of professionalism. After a few years, I then joined a boutique firm, Chesapeake Search Partners, uh, for about two and a half years, a lot more on the retained uh, level of mid-Atlantic searches, predominantly focused on real estate, financial services, private equity, venture capital opportunities. And then I uh, was blessed to have the opportunity about six months ago to join Sheffield Hayworth. Uh, firm based in London, but my office sits out of New York. Um, and now I work in investment and wealth management, um, a lot more on the executive retained level, um, but learning a lot and, and, and certainly continuing to uh, to build my network. It's so interesting, right? So you've really seen recruiting from so many different perspectives. Right. I, I, I tell people I've, I've done uh, $10 an hour call center representatives up to, up to multi-million dollar deals now. So it's uh, certainly a little bit of everything. I know that's fascinating. So what are you seeing? What are some of the trends that you're seeing in the recruiting space? Lots yeah, of I, lots of conversation around this for sure every day. I, I know. Yes. Yes, from the from the client side and from the candidate side, uh, there's a lot more uh consultation, I think, is a lot of the conversations we're having is hey, what are you seeing out there? What opportunities, what, what which way is the puck going? Um, and a lot of what I'm seeing is is still remote capacity. Um, I think, you know, compared to this time last year. A lot of companies were, were really struggling and pushing to get individuals back in the office, and, and the workforce was a little hesitant to return. Ultimately, I think that the, the workforce has won uh, for, for, the, for the, the, the time being, at least, and, and we're seeing a lot more opportunities, especially on the executive level, where individuals can sit just about anywhere, as long as they're comfortable with travel and, and open to, to you know, um, at, locating to the, the headquarters as needed or travel to different businesses. Uh, but I'm seeing remote capacity is still through the roof. 
We're also seeing a great push to the West. Um, a lot of individuals from the executive level are, are kind of getting out of the New York, Chicago hubs um, and moving more towards West. A lot of clients are also moving, um, expanding into that region as a lot of opportunity has presented itself. Uh, but the most important thing that, that I've really seen from, from Canada's perspective that they're looking for is meaningful experience, um, is, is growth potential and, and really joining an organization where they can have an impact, um, not only to help the, the company grow, but also to help the individual professionally grow and learn different aspects of the business in terms of what their final end goal may look like. Mm, that's so interesting. So in some ways, when I hear you say that, it's almost a little bit harder for smaller businesses, right? Like those opportunities are really pretty self-evident in large organizations. So for small businesses, mid-sized businesses, they have to really be, um, what I'm hearing you say, be more cognizant of, of creating those opportunities and making sure that they message for those opportunities, right? Yeah, I, I think it's it's difficult for the major hubs of, of New York City and Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, and individuals who are outside of those zones um, who, who necessarily weren't looked at originally, but still have extreme qualifications and unbelievable networks that can add value. And clients almost you know, forced the hand through COVID to have the, have the relationships, have the conversations with individuals you know, thinking outside the box. And I think that they've seen a lot of really benefits to it. Um, I'd say in terms of size, you know, my current team, while I'm a part of a 40-person office, my team of about five individuals, of, uh, of the five or six of us, only one of us is, is still in New York. Uh, they've re relocated to Tennessee, Texas, Connecticut. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity. And I think with technology continuing to expand, communication, CRM systems really being implemented, um, there is a lot more opportunity, hopefully, for both boutique and, and mega large corporations as well. Mm -hmm. And are you seeing um, those candidates, the talent pool, getting stronger with their what what we call digital fluency? And you know, where have you seen that come into play? I think it, it's funny when um, you know March, April, May of 2020, when everyone was forced onto Zoom and Microsoft Teams, and, and there was this this gap uh, of of how do I get logged in and your microphone's not on or this that and the other. Um, luckily, I think most people have been integrated into the system and are very comfortable with the software. We very rarely run into any issues. Um, if anything, it's more technological. I, I'm better on Teams than I am Zoom, vice versa. Um, but most of it, we, we've seen a lot of really positive feedback from both clients and candidates in terms of the ease. Instead mm -hmm. of taking an hour out of your day to slip out of the office and not let anyone see you for an interview, going into a conference room or a day that you might be working from home, taking that quick hour virtual call is really, and it, it, it expedites the situation, it expedites the process. It, it's a lot easier for us to get feedback. Clients are, are, are privy to the fact that they can quickly get in front of candidates instead of losing them in this tight market. So you're using, you're doing a lot of virtual interviews and screenings and then sharing those with clients? Yeah. So I currently handle national accounts. So I've got opportunities from the East Coast to the West Coast um, and, and the candidates are located just about everywhere. So all of our initial interviews, we're encouraging our virtual calls. I, I think that, you know, you and I have discussed in the past the benefit of seeing a face-to-face, -face, even if it is over, over a virtual, as opposed to just doing a, a, a cold phone call um, yeah. and not being able to learn as much, learning body language, learning mannerisms. Right. Um, and there's a lot of value that, that both the client and the candidate get as well to learn about the company, the culture, and the individual they're speaking with. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, you know, we've been on Zoom for a very, very long time very much pre-2020. And yet 
there was a hesitance to turn video on. So we used it to share screens, to, to have the conversation. And now what my team says is, oh my gosh, it's actually odd and an anomaly when we don't turn video on and it just feels very strange. So we're right. so tuned in now to adding the video component. It's just as natural as it would be to be in person. So, yeah, and, and the point that you brought up as well, the screen sharing, I think is, is just unbelievable for onboarding, you know, myself with my company in New York, or, or you know, we just onboarded a new um, executive assistant as well. And the screen sharing capabilities, instead of, okay, when are you going to be in the city? When, when can I be there? What works as opposed to just seeing when you're flexible, being able to show them directly, it's, it's changed how, how we can do business. Mm-hmm. And you don't foresee that changing anytime soon, correct? No, I, I think it's it'll be an interesting aspect. When I, when I was previously with Chesapeake Search Partners, I, I worked a lot in the real estate space, and yeah. and so the the commercial real estate world, I think, is still trying to determine um, what that looks like in terms of the return to the office. But in this market, I don't think that that they have an option. I think that especially with you know rising fears of a, a resurgence, mm-hmm. or as we alluded to in the summer, the the vacation holiday times. I just, I don't think that it'll come back, you know, crashing by the end of this year. I think it'll be slowly implemented in terms of a return to the office, Mm -hmm. Um, but we don't foresee it necessarily coming September 1st, have to be back or, or those types of mandates. And something that you mentioned, you know, in terms of creating greater urgency and really compressing the interview process, I think is really, really important. People are getting multiple offers. They're being, you know, reached out to all the time on LinkedIn, on other platforms. And so creating that ability to move things and schedule things much quicker must be on really everybody's radar. But what do you think about that? It's, it's unbelievable the counter offers that, that we're losing candidates to. Um, and, and we think we're moving quickly in, in one to two weeks, being able to turn them around. Um, but most of the individuals, if they're speaking to us, are most likely speaking with others as well. And so they have a lot. And it, it's a candidate-driven market. I don't, I don't see that slowing down. And, and um, they, are, they are right to, to play the field and see what opportunities are out there. So we do try and be as expeditious as possible and moving. And to that point, uh, one of the searches we're working on is individuals in San Francisco, New York, and Chicago. And employing, imploring all everyone to be on the same call at one time instead of three separate calls and really dragging out the process as best we possibly can. Yeah, so interesting. Let's talk about how you use LinkedIn. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up LinkedIn, right? And in, in <laughs> its place in your recruiting um, strategy. So yeah. share with us on you know your thoughts on how you're using LinkedIn, building your network. Yeah, I think um, myself. I, I know that you are the, the queen of LinkedIn, and I've only <laughs> learned. Uh, I've only scratched the surface of learning from you. But um, similar to I think most of society, when you know when February 2020 happened, March 2020, um, it really forced us to look at how we can still access human capital. And LinkedIn was the easiest platform that individuals were able to use. Um, obviously, I was using it before then, but I think COVID really just put this greater emphasis on being able to market and discuss with individuals and share ideas and share articles and learn what people moves are out there. So the platform has, has, has been incredibly beneficial for, for myself and I know yourself as well mm-hmm. in the industry. And I don't think that's slowing anytime soon in the industry. I think that it's still, um, I've, I've read articles, 70% of individuals who, who move jobs are using LinkedIn at, to mm-hmm. some point. Um, and we encourage it. Look up the individual who you're interviewing with. Look up, you know, the, the company on who is on there. 
you know, we have access to LinkedIn Recruiter and, and that is just an unbelievable resource to get very myopic in searches in terms of very specific aspects of, of their background that we're looking to identify. So I, I don't want to use it all the time because it, it, I understand that it is public knowledge and anyone mm-hmm. can use it, but it is a phenomenal, as I would kind of say, starting point to, to mm-hmm. really begin the process, begin the search, see where we can start. And then, as you know, it's just getting on the phone and networking is, is really where you need to go from there. Yeah, the um, in Recruiter, and I haven't been, I, you know, I have to say, I haven't been in Recruiter in, you know, in a bit. Um <laughs> But the especially because people are moving, as you said, and they can be remote. The one feature about people potentially looking to relocate, right? Mm-hmm. I think is probably a more popular filter that gets turned on in a lot of searches these days in recruiter. It, um, seems to me, you know, eighty percent of people on LinkedIn say they're open to a new opportunity, mm-hmm. right? So between being quietly active to being proactive and really looking for a new a new position or changing careers there's a there's a lot of range there but pretty much you know more 80% of people that's a lot of people on linkedin who say they're open to a potential opportunity right and and i think it's it's good for us to know but i i don't typically start with that to be very frank mm-hmm. i think that you know, a lot of what we do is if you've been out of work, you know, in this economy is, is a lot of the why. And as you know, is having those conversations to determine the full story and, and really learn. Um, but it is, it's a beneficial tool. And to that point of the relocation, I think that everybody is looking to move to Florida. Uh, <laughs> I, I get that question probably once a week, if or Texas or Florida positions. Um, and so that's why we're almost encouraging West, you know, move West. We're seeing opportunities seeing companies that are expanding, you know, uh, regional capacities in that region that allow for individuals, if they are looking to move, to to pick up and and go for it. Yeah. So this is a question that actually came up on a call I had the other day with a potential, with with somebody who is starting a job search. LinkedIn has added a new area where you can put in a career break, right? So, So what's kind of interesting is that somebody left a position Sometimes if we're working with them on their LinkedIn profile and their CV and kind of getting them positioned for their next opportunity, you know, depending on what it is, a CEO, for example, and this is actually a real example, he left his company last year. He's like, okay, I'm not quite sure what I want to do next. What do I put there? So there's not a gap. I'm like, are you doing any consulting? Right. So the term consultant mm-hmm. um, advisor, you know, often comes up as that filler position in experience to, to bridge that gap in real experiences, right? right. Real, real positions. So now LinkedIn has added something where you can put in that you've had a career break. And under that, there's probably about maybe almost a dozen selections, right? Taking care of parents, um, maternity leave, mm-hmm. you know, sabbatical, et cetera. And so we've been having conversations about, hmm, how does that look? Because sometimes when there's a gap, my thought is, as long as you can explain that gap, right? You've right. got to be able to have a conversation to explain right. it. However, most people get it and understand that there will often be breaks, especially for women who have you know, exited the workforce to have and take care of children. There's lots of scenarios. What's your thought on that I, um, idea of a career break? What do you think about that? How, if yeah. you're seeing it on somebody's profile, what, how would you react as a recruiter? Yeah. You know, I think it's unique. And, and one thing that, that I think we've all learned out of COVID is, is the reality of life versus work. And I think that a lot of those, to your point of, of having the, having, being able to tell the story and, and having the reasoning behind it, 
I think to, to that point, if, he, if they are consulting, I would definitely highlight that aspect because it is staying busy. But as far as a maternity, paternity, whatever it may be, it's an aspect of life. And in today's world, if you're interested in the job and interested in getting back out into the workforce, as long as you're able to describe it, no hiring manager is going to discredit you. And I think as long as you're able to say, I was, I was up to date on, on my skills, whatever field, accounting, finance, whatever it may be, staying up to date with changing legislation or whatever may be in, in your field, as long as you're up to date with that and able to provide the background and, and necessary story, I, I'd be remiss for a hiring manager not to have the conversation in this incredibly tight market when you know two jobs for every one individual. It, it would just discredit yourself and, and further delay the hiring process, which you and I know delays everything else. So um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm interested in that aspect of LinkedIn. I haven't seen that yet, uh, but a lot of the conversations I have with individuals, that's my first question. You know, so what were you doing? And I think people are, uh, candidates are expecting you to say, oh, no, no, no. But when you have the conversation, it says, okay, now as a recruiter, I know how to pitch you with the client moving forward. And that's the most important part and the benefit of using yourself or myself to paint that story for the candidate to the client. Right. Yeah. I think that that's a really, really great point. What do you tell people, your clients about when you look at potentially look at their network, right? And how they should be building and using a network as they may be looking for a new position. For a candidate or for a client? Both, actually. Candidates, you know, I, I, one thing I learned from from my early days in, in contractual is, it, you know, th- this market is still who you know, it's not what you know. Um, and now I implore everybody that I'm not the only option for you. While I would love to make a placement and continue, you, you know, to, to, to advance your career, I'm an aspect of the greater process. And I highly encourage everybody to reach out to former mentors, you know, former employers, former anyone who you may have come across in the past, clients that you've really worked with and really enjoyed. And it's amazing how receptive individuals are when you say, hey, can I have help? And how receptive individuals are to say, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because most people in this world, understanding the value of a network and understanding that I scratch your back, You'll mm-hmm. scratch mine in you know, two to five years whenever I need that. So I encourage everybody that I speak to to say, hey, well, I'm here to be a resource. I'm not the only resource. And, and by all means, please don't put all your eggs in my basket. Yeah. Um, but yes, definitely reach out to anybody and anyone that you can to, to be able to continue that conversation and learn what's out there. Mm-hmm. And on the, um, the client side for you. So what I see with a lot of companies, they're in-house recruiting HR team, whomever's really managing, you know, hiring, you know, from what, what might be two positions a year to, you know, 10 positions a year. I see those people filling requisitions more than they are building a network. And I always encourage in-house teams think like third-party recruiters, think like you, Brian, right? Like building a network so that when you, the next time you need to do that search, you actually have some people you might know, right? Or even if somebody doesn't accept a position that you're speaking to them about today, you know, six months from now, their situation may be very different. And suddenly revisiting that conversation makes sense. But it's harder to do if you've actually not really had more than a quick conversation with them or gotten connected to them on LinkedIn. So what is your thought? What do you see with clients? And and I want you to, I want to respect what you see with clients is super <laughs> important and, and, and all good, right? Yeah. But 
Yeah, I, I mean, clients, I, I think um, it, it's definitely an interesting relationship with, with human resources within clients. Um, and one thing that, that I implore, you know, for any position that we take on is, is I don't just want to talk to HR, I want to talk to the hiring manager. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an important part for HR to understand is it's not just a requisite of, of all right, apples to apples, oranges to oranges. It's go to the hiring manager and really learning what that individual is like. So that the HR per individual who has those conversations or the internal recruiter, when they speak to someone and they're like, ah, I don't think you're a fit for this role, instead of closing that door, taking valid notes that say, you know what, you're not great for this, but you might be fantastic for so-and-so's team if that anything were to open up. Mm-hmm. Then you're, you're not only knocking off two stones, but you're building that network. Mm-hmm. And every conversation that I have, when I go into any call or any conversation, every single individual I'm talking with could be either a client or a potential candidate down the line. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's important to, to build that network. And I think it's interesting that you you think you have to write down everything and build the network specifically, but building a network can be very inorganic by just having a very pleasant conversation or just being very professional and, and being honest. A lot of people out there with everything that's going on in the world, just, just really look for honesty and, mm-hmm. and being very upfront. And, you know, I'm, I'm not hesitant to tell people what they don't want to hear, but it, it is. And, and the reception that you get from clients and candidates is very, very respectful. Um, mm-hmm. And so clients, luckily, we, we have very honest relationships and open conversations with them about what their expectations need to be. And luckily, they trust us as consultants as we are in the marketplace and, and doing their this aspect of the job for them. Um, are very respectful, which is nice. Yeah. And, and, you know, also coming out of that is... It's a great way. That's how you really build a referral network too. Right. Yeah. I, I think um, a lot of what I'm doing in distribution and fundraising and investment management, it, it's funny. It's still sales. At the end of the day, it's, it's you boil it down to sales. And um, I'm, I'm a big quote guy. And so one of the things I say is, uh, you know, any referral is my best friend. And ironically, it was somebody actually told me that on the phone call to me, uh, a couple of months ago. And I said, that's a great quote. I couldn't agree with you more. I said, well, Brian, that's how you build a network. And, and it's true. I think uh, a, love, a referral for us is, is huge because it goes beyond that initial screen, that initial cold call. It's a, oh, so-and-so referred you. I think the world of so-and-so. So I'm already giving you a leg up. Um, I think of that a lot with education as well from certain you know, colleges, universities, schools, uh, as well as prior firms that we know very well. A referral from another firm that we think very highly of does come with that you know, leg up, I would say. So referrals are and, and will continue to be my best friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ours too, right? It's, it's, it's all about building. You know, I always talk about how do you turn a network into a refer- referral engine? And, and it creates its own momentum. And right. it's, a, it's a very, very important part of all of our businesses and kind of nurturing that and taking care of it even more. I think, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm starting a new book called The Power of One More by someone named Ed Milet and someone who's very, very well known. I just have not heard of him. And I heard him on a podcast earlier this week. <laughs> and I'm like, power of one more, the power of making one more referral or creating, creating one or receiving one. There's a lot of power in that too. So I love that whole idea, you know, and breaking out networks. I think it's fascinating because a lot of times there are a lot of, a lot of people who have not focused too much time on building that network, regardless of what they're doing. And sometimes when then they're in a situation where they need a new position or they're getting ready to change or make a move across the country, 
they're like, wow, what do I do? Right? right. I don't have that network. I didn't pay attention for any number of reasons. And you have to kind of help them jumpstart it really quickly. Right. I tell people all the time, let's look, see who, you know, reach out to them, let them know you're moving from, you know, Baltimore to Denver, or right. you, you want to change, change industries. Speaking of changing industries, do you see people not only moving geographically, but changing industries? Is that, what are you seeing there? Yeah, I see a lot of individuals trying. I think it is a little bit harder, especially at the executive level with the clients that are looking for 10 to 15 years in a specific dedicated channel or or, or specific product aspect. But once again, I go back to in this market, I, I think that there is synergy and I think there is opportunity for certain individuals. It's just to your point, being able to create the story with the client to have an open mind. You know, I think that that's, uh, mm-hmm. I was reading at the 2022 University of Michigan commencement speech. They said, you you have an amazing opportunity because all the rules and everything is shredded. Everything that has been generationally of, of you have to do it this way, you have to stay at the company 30 years, this, that, and the other. It's, it's been completely thrown out the window and it creates just an, an unbelievable opportunity for individuals to say, I want to go here for a couple of years, learn this aspect, and then I want to do this. And I think as long as the individual has the right mindset of why they want to change and, and what the reasoning is, hmm. if they're able to paint that picture to any hiring manager and, and really show them what value I'm going to be able to add, it, it's a no brainer to, to give them a shot and see where it goes. Makes me think of like doing tours of duty, right? Yeah, right. Reed Hoffman, who co-founded LinkedIn, wrote a book. I think it's called The Alliance Network. I'm probably wrong on that. I'll put it in the show notes. But it was about thinking about recruiting and, and building your talent with these tours of duty similar to the military. So you're going to be in this area. And lots of organizations do that, maybe more informally than formally. But you know, you spend a little time here, you spend a little time there, but really thinking about how that might be a tool or a strategy that an individual outside of an organization thinks about before they join an organization is kind of, you know, pretty fascinating, I think. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the retention that we're seeing at larger banks and corporations are these analysts two-year profile or, or six months with this team and trying this industry and six months in a a complete 180 of another industry. And it's amazing the individuals I speak with that say, you know, I did that for two years and on the 18th month, it clicked and, and I found what my passion was and it was, it was able to stay and able to grow. And I think to your point, that will just increase retention rates within clients, giving that flexibility and not just saying you're a one trick pony for the rest of your career mm-hmm. and you can't learn, you can't grow because today's workforce is, is looking for what else? What else can I add? What extra question can I, can I ask that that will uncover something that will allow me to grow professionally and personally? Um, and, and just keeping an open mind to see what that next step looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. Um, makes me then also think of, you know, medicine, right? Doing rotations and different yeah. specialties, you know, before you decide on what your specialty is. And I think you make a great point there so much of going into business, working for a company, we think we're in one functional area and we're kind mm-hmm. of, we're just there. And that really doesn't need to be the case at all anymore. Right. And, right. and my guess is young professionals will really kind of push that. I, yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it has to, I, I think that it's, a, it's an interesting world we're living in now with the millennial gen Z, Y, whatever we're on and, <laughs> and the, the baby boomer and, and thinking in that philosophy and just continuing to grow and seeing how I can make meaningful impact. And do you mind if I go shadow this team for a little bit? 
instead of saying, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm adverse to that or I, I'd rather you stay with this, it's allowing them because sometimes, as you know, the grass isn't greener and it allows them to say, you know what, I am in the right spot. I do want to continue to do this, but I would never know unless I peeked my head over and, and took a look and got in the weeds on what it is. Yeah, and there was a really, um, I, I recall a, um, a stat somewhere around 72% of people who did make a switch in the last 18 to 20 months said, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have done that, right? Right. Because of the grass is greener. And, um, you know, so you can look at it so many ways. And and that, I think, is also what's really, really interesting. I read quite a bit and I'm like, okay. So within the same issue of um, a magazine or, you know, daily, you know, publication for the journal, I'm like from one section to another, I'm reading different perspectives on it. And it's really important when you're close to the client and the situation, what you're seeing. So you get the opportunity to hear from the candidate and also hear from the client, those people trying to hire people. So I think that's really fascinating. As we close, tell us a little bit about the company based out of London, a little bit more, and then where people can contact you, Brian. Yeah, Sheffield Hayworth, you know, we've been around since 1993, um, very boutique oriented, which which I really enjoyed. Um, it's a phenomenal team with phenomenal resources, uh, very well respected in the industry and, and done a lot of great things and continue to expand. Um, so while we're based in, in London, you know, we do have a lot of financial services and financial opportunities here in the States. Um, I'm, I'm the first, I guess, American on the team. So we are branching out and, and adding a lot more opportunity. But what I really love about our firm is, is we're unbelievably professional and, and flexible at the same time. Um, understanding of what the market is and understanding of what our clients need and, and really being able to go that extra mile. Uh, we provide extensive reporting, extensive analytics for our clients throughout the entire process, interview trackers, everything that we possibly can to really give the, the full experience of similar to Intero, the consultative aspect mm-hmm. and really being able to leverage that and, and be a little different from the competitors, which ultimately has only built the, the network for ourselves continuing moving forward. I'd encourage everyone to, to visit SheffieldHayworth.com and continue to look at, at, at um, additional opportunities that, that you can reach out to individuals. Myself, I'm, I'm always open for a conversation. I always appreciate referrals or, or just a general consultative nature of, hey, what do you see in the market? Um, but I, I've always appreciated, obviously, your partnership throughout the process and, and look forward to uh, continuing as well. Great. Thank you, Brian. Great to have you on our call today. And I think really helpful for everybody to hear. So appreciate it. Have a great day. And to all of our listeners, thanks for joining today. Join us again um, on our next episode of Stand Out. And we'll continue to bring really interesting people who are close to what's happening in the world of branding, business development, and recruiting. Thanks. Thank you. Connect with us on LinkedIn, get to know us there and on our website, interoadvisory.com. We have lots of valuable content and inside our membership site and even more beyond that. Thanks for listening. We appreciate a shout out on your preferred channel, a review or a comment on what you'd like to hear us discuss. You can listen in on Apple, Spotify, Google Play and other channels. Check out our tutorials on our YouTube channel too. Until next time, thanks for joining.